Welcome to the Corporate Minister Podcast, a safe space dedicated to the hearts and minds of African-American men. Today's work environment presents some unique challenges for Black men, and they can sometimes feel overstressed, overburdened, and at the same time undervalued and underappreciated. The Corporate Minister Podcast is about speaking a word of support, encouragement, and healing to the men in these spaces, as well as to those who love and support them. We also seek to provide a means for others to understand these men, their hopes, dreams, and challenges, in order to bridge the gaps and create a dialogue. Our guiding principles in these discussions are the Word of God and the love of Jesus Christ. Our bedrock scripture, and the one that underpins all of our work here, can be found in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, where it is written, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. With that, we welcome you to the Corporate Minister Podcast, presented by your host, the Reverend Dwayne Dixon. Welcome to the Corporate Minister Podcast. My name is Dwayne Dixon, and I serve on the ministerial staff at Progressive Baptist Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm also a technology executive, and I've been in corporate America for more than 25 years. My calling is to minister to the needs of men who are sometimes forgotten, educated men of color. The world sees the job titles, the degrees, the outer trappings of success, and often draws the conclusion that these men don't need ministry. My experience has taught me that nothing could be further from the truth. My objective here is to bring a word from the Lord that will serve as a beacon of hope, solace, and encouragement. Every few weeks, we address one particular topic, stress, fear, pressure, male bonding, failure, and success, and we see what the word of God has to say about it. From there, we bring in a guest speaker and explore the topic in a bit more detail. And with a little bit of luck, you'll hear something that blesses you. About that, I want to hear from you. Please drop us a line at thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Again, that's thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, your feedback, and your ideas. I want to make this a space that's comfortable and relevant. And on that note, let's get started. The last year has been rough. We've been in a global pandemic that has infected over 180 million people and has taken the lives of almost 4 million. It's been frightening, bewildering, and life-changing. We've had to rethink the way we interact, the way we work, the way we live, and even the way we worship. There's no part of our lives that's gone unaffected. But what if there's something good and useful to be found in this time of turmoil? What if there's something that we can use to benefit our lives, our families, and ourselves? In this episode, we're going to address that. Settle in for a while as we explore the topic, the pandemic as a pivot to God's promise. Our scripture comes from Isaiah 43 and 19. And I'll be reading from the New King James translation of the Bible. Here, these words are written. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That is one of my favorite scriptures because it speaks of renewal, 
new life, new horizons, and new vistas. Let's do some background on it. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet. And interestingly enough, he appears in Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Isaiah is very influential in Christian thought. Scholars believe that Isaiah is the first to predict the birth of Jesus. That's found in Isaiah 7 and 14, where we hear those words from the Christmas story. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. As a matter of fact, if you're familiar with the Christmas time classic Handel's Messiah, a great deal of the lyrics in the Messiah come from the book of Isaiah. Lyrics like, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. But who may abide the day of his coming and who shall stand when he appeareth? Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill be made low. All of that is from the book of Isaiah. But you don't have to go that far to get to Isaiah's words. Let's take some phrases we hear more often. A couple of everyday sayings like a voice in the wilderness or they shall beat their swords into plowshares. Those two are from Isaiah. Indeed, he was and remains very influential. But ultimately, what is the book of Isaiah about and how does it speak to our topic pivoting to God's promise? The interesting thing about the book of Isaiah is that thematically, it's actually two books in one. As a matter of fact, some scholars discuss Isaiah as Isaiah part one and Isaiah part two. That's because its message is broken into two parts. The first part of Isaiah, books one through 39, carry the weight of judgment and sin. It is written to the people of Judah, Israel, and the surrounding nations. These people were spiritually corrupt and Isaiah's warnings were intended to purify those people by helping them understand God's true nature and message. That part of Isaiah is hardcore in its words and the people really didn't want to hear it. To this day, Isaiah is some of the most forceful language in the Bible against sin and wrongdoing. In the second part of Isaiah, books 40 through 66, the tone changes. Here, we find hope and salvation. This part of the book speaks to Israel's release from captivity, the future redeemer, and the future kingdom. Now, what I find interesting about all of this is that today's episode is about pivoting to God's promise, and we find that theme in a book that actually does a pivot. It starts out with words of judgment and pivots to words of comfort. And that post-pivot section is where we find today's scripture. For context, before we get to today's verse, we need to look at the verses directly before it. Those verses reference what God did for the Israelites years previously, way back in the book of Exodus, where he parted the Red Sea for Moses, then drowned the Egyptian army. Now you saw the movie, The Ten Commandments. Remember when you, Brenner, finally realizes that it's all over? This is how those verses read. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. And then the next verse, but forget all of that. 
it is nothing compared to what I am going to do. And that sets up our scripture for today where it says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This scripture is describing a pivot to a new thing, a pathway where there was wilderness and water where there was desert. Now let's bring that forward into 2021. This pandemic season has definitely been like a wilderness. We've been afraid to turn on the television for fear of what the news might bring. We were afraid to go outside because we didn't want to infect anyone or didn't want to be infected. So many of us found ourselves in an endless loop of Zoom calls, emails, and Netflix. I don't know about you, but after a while, for me, the days just ran together. A Zoom call for work, a Zoom call for family, a Zoom call for church. I know that I got burned out and Zoomed out. But here's a curious thing that happened along the way. We learned some useful things. I know of many churches, mine included, that were not as tech savvy as they needed to be pre-pandemic. We weren't fully versed in leveraging technology for worship, for ministry, or for giving. But the pandemic forced us to learn. And along the way, an amazing thing happened. We tapped in a new way to reach people. I've heard many ministers talk about attracting more people to virtual Sunday school than they'd had in person in previous years. I've heard about churches with members that had moved away to other city, but they re-engaged with their church via technology from the places they'd moved to. I've heard ministers talk about hearing from people who might never have set foot in a church, who tuned in online, were touched by what they heard, and were blessed. Let's think about the shift to remote work. For many companies, remote work is the new normal. The flexibility of remote work allows much better work-life balance, and it also opens up a new universe of opportunities. It used to be that jobs were tied to a specific location, but in this new environment, as long as you have an internet connection and a computer, where you live doesn't matter. The significant thing here is that we've learned new skills, new ways of doing things, and new ways of thinking during the pandemic. And when we come out of the pandemic, those new approaches will serve us well. The pandemic has led to a new way of worshiping, working, and living. It has allowed us to pivot to a whole new set of promises. In short, God is doing a new thing. And if we embrace it, that new thing is full of promise. And on that note, I want to introduce today's guest. He's a pastor, theologian, writer, thinker, and preacher. Reverend Dr. Charlie Hames Jr. is the senior pastor of the BB Memorial Cathedral, or BMC, in Oakland, California. As senior pastor of BMC since 2003, Dr. Hames leads one of the fastest growing congregations in the CME or Christian Methodist Episcopal Church. Under his leadership, BMC has grown from 81 members to more than 3,000 members, making it one of the premier houses of worship in the San Francisco Bay Area. Over the years, this dedicated servant of God has been honored with opportunities and award some might have thought unlikely for someone of such humble beginnings. He's prayed over our country's congressional leaders on Capitol Hill 
and been named Pastor of the Year by the CME Ninth Episcopal District. Known as a fervent fighter for the young men of this country, Dr. Hames was um, among a select group of pastors and community leaders who were invited to the White House in 2012 to discuss the killing of Trayvon Martin with President Obama. Following that meeting, CNN tapped Dr. Hames to discuss the president's response to the tragedy. Dr. Hames received his Bachelor of Arts degree in African-American studies from Chicago State University. In 2000, he earned a Master of Divinity degree from Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary in Evanston, Illinois. And in 2004, he was blessed to receive his Doctor of Ministry degree in evangelism from the Perkins School of Theology at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. Dr. Hames is a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. He is also my brother in 100 Black Men, where he serves as the chaplain of the Oakland chapter. And he is also my fellow archon of Sigma Pi Phi Fraternity. It is my pleasure to present the Reverend Dr. Charlie Hames Jr. How you doing, Pastor? I'm great. I'm blessed and I'm honored to be in your presence, my friend, my brother. God bless you. Thank you so much. You know, I read your bio. You keep really, really busy pastoring, speaking, writing. Can you tell our audience more about what you're up to these days? Sure. I mean, you know, I often say, you know, I'm getting rid of things and things more, more things get on my plate. And <laughs> I realize is that, um, you know, you can't run from busy uh, when you're making transformation and trying to make an impact. Uh, so today I'm grateful uh, that, you know, our church is still thriving in the midst of a pandemic, uh, now post-pandemic. Um, currently, I'm offering myself as an aspirant uh, translation candidate uh, for the Office of Bishop and the CME Church. Um, that election will take place in June 2022. I just was voted uh, recently as a board of trustee member uh, at my alma mater, Garrett Evangelical Theological uh, Seminary. Uh, which is an honor um, to have graduated from a place and for them to come back uh, 20 some odd years later and tap you for a position to help change uh, the trajectory of theological education. And also, you know, husband, father, have uh, two um, young adults that's in college uh, paying tuition. So I'm busy. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. Um, you know, You've had an amazing ministry journey, and you're a Chicago boy like me. Um, can you share with our audience how you got here? Yeah, I mean, you know, I often tell people uh, God has always given me a forecast of what my life would be like, even though I've, I grew up in meager means. You know, I had the fortunate opportunity to experience in my childhood uh, middle class poverty, uh, working class, all in the same uh, circular uh, trajectory. Uh, my father uh, was a business owner in Chicago. Uh, well before his time, he was a restaurant owner, uh, owned several restaurants, and then, um, you know, life would have it, um, decline in income through the recession of the 80s. And uh, he lost most of those businesses, and we struggled. You know, uh, parents uh, went through separation, which made father struggle. Uh, but through all of that, you know, uh, God blessed me to have a very balanced uh, household. Um, growing up on the south side of Chicago was had its own struggles with, you know, just learning how to be educated, but also street smart. Um, matriculated through uh, Burnside Scholastic Academy, 
uh, where I was grateful to have a great um, elementary experience. Then I went to Simeon High School, wanted to go there to play basketball and football. Uh, the politics there, you can only choose one. I chose football, end up with a meniscus tear mm. uh, that ended a career. Uh, but I'm so grateful that I had a supportive team around me because as I went to Chicago State University, I uh, thought I was going to uh, major in pre-med. I accepted my call to preach at the age of 17. So here I am uh, going into uh, undergrad uh, with the burden of calling, but yet uh, the new experience of being a young adult and trying to find freedom. And uh, God blessed me to uh, graduate uh, through um, Chicago State University, was on the national dean's list my first year. Uh, went from there to Garrity Evangelical Theological Seminary at Northwestern University. Um, along in between that, you know, got married, um, had a couple of kids, uh, continue to matriculate. And here we are uh, being in a Methodist system. Uh, it's, a, it's a trust like Abraham that you have to go to a country that you did not know, but you were obedient. And the Lord promised that he will bless you. And I left Everston, Illinois and moved west. Uh, I heard that old song says, go west, young man, go west. And I found myself going west, uh, landed in a place called Compton, California, where I pastored. I lived in Carson, California, built a church uh, there uh, within one year. It was about 60% uh, completed when I got there and mm -hmm. God just put the resources together. After that one year, uh, Bishop came back and said, hey, listen, I have one more appointment for you, but I promise you, if you take this appointment, I'll leave you there and forget that I ever sent you there. I said, great. <laughs> and I landed in Oakland, California, and kind of the rest is history. Mm -hmm. Praise God for what he did and continues to do. As we move into to our scripture and our lesson for today, what do you think the prophet Isaiah is trying to get us to see um, in Isaiah 43, 19? Yeah, I, you know, that's one of my favorite scriptures. I got a bunch of favorite scriptures, but this one always uh, speaks to me because it deals with the future that God will not only create a new thing, but it far surpasses anything that he accomplished in your past. This text is talking to us today uh, in just layman terms because it describes the new thing as something that is springing up. Uh, the Hebrew word tisma, which means that it happens suddenly. Uh, just like the desert plants that surprisingly sprout in a completely barren area after rain. In almost astonishment, the prophet rhetoric to his audience and says, do you not perceive it? Mm. In other words, he's kind of gisting uh, uh, at them saying, you didn't see this getting ready to happen? The same thing that God does. It's almost like I remember uh, Tupac Shakur uh, talks about uh, the rose out of concrete. Here it is that a rose sprouts up out of concrete, a place that it does not supposed to grow. But yet this beautiful uh, uh, flower began to bloom and blossom and people began to notice its beauty in a place that it did not supposed to exist. That's the new thing that God is getting ready to accomplish in individuals' lives. And even in the midst of a dry, barren desert place, God can place water there. And figuratively and poetically, the prophet is uh, glorifying God that he said, I'm providing something in a place that it should not exist. And that it promises us that our future is greater and brighter than we can ever imagine. Hmm. There you go. I, that's that's rich. That's rich, Doc. Now, you are very familiar with the notion of pivoting. I mean, you wrote a book mm -hmm. called Pressing Reset. 
Yes. How does that concept show up for you in, in your life and in your work? Listen, uh, this book, Press and Reset, uh, I often say it was my own introspective therapy session uh -huh. uh, when I wrote this book. Um, I, I had no intentions on writing the book. My second book was the book I was supposed to write. And then this book popped up. I was on my computer um, back then. I always used a Mac, uh, not hating on any uh, PC users, but I've always used a Mac. And here, this Mac that was not supposed to uh, have any issues started to have issues. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I discovered while having issues trying to use and writing a, a, a document that I almost lost, that I had to press reset to start the computer uh -huh. over. And from that concept, this book was born and it told me that it does not matter how bad life gets when life forces you to start over again. All you have to do is press reset. Mm -hmm. You know, these are very unsettling times um, for all the reasons we've been discussing and alluding to. How do you see this message speaking to such a time as this? You know, uh, one of my colleagues uh, in um, Oakland, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Thompson, uh, picked up this book. And I, I wrote this book back in 2015. And she's like, man, this book is so relevant to today because in the midst, we were thrown, we were thrusted into a new area where we were used to commuting 35, 40 minutes to our respective places of work. Uh, we were used to uh, listening to the radio on our way to work. We were used to uh, engaging in meetings in person. And all of that went away in a matter of 30 days for That's most right. Americans and, and most of the world. And here it is for 16 months, we were trapped, if you will, in our uh, humble abodes, trying to function and do business as usual from screens, uh, from Zoom calls, uh, from all of this technology. Many ministers uh, became televangelists overnight, overnight because you were used to you know, reaching people and talking to people in person. Now you have to communicate the same level of message and excitement and inspiration uh, through a uh, screen. Uh, and here it is, it's in that moment uh, that this book becomes relevant again, because you can't die, you can't give up, you can't become stalled, because life forces you to start over again. You just got to learn how to press reset. Mm, mm, mm. That, that, that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You know, um, as we as we, we talk to our audience um, about this concept of pivoting, about resetting, are there mm -hmm. any resources on or around this topic, books, websites, information that you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, yes. I mean, there's there's multiple books um, about this topic. In fact, uh, <laughs> I, I want to um, uh, sound my own horn, but uh, there's an old phrase from one of our bishops in the church. He says, if you don't toot your own horn, it will go untooted. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I want to encourage you, uh, if you can, go to drhames.com. I have three books, Pressing Reset, uh, When Life Forces You to Start Over Again, Exchange, Trading Your Brokenness for Exceptional Purpose. And then my latest is Notes from the Doctor. It's a 60-day devotional treatment plan for the spirit. Oftentimes what I've realized is that because many individuals, especially uh, brothers who live in uh, the C-suite world, are, are not only trapped in uh, confusion, but they don't have an outlet uh, to grow spiritually. Many of us understand that uh, therapy is often used as a matter of keeping most uh, C-level individuals sane. And this book, I'm, I'm talking about the last book, is a great resource for you to have not only a devotional time, it's 
pure life application. It's a prayer in there. That's the prayer. That's the follow up. And uh, you're able to, you know, use it to bless your life and to uh, encourage your spirit and to cause you to uh, walk in purpose and the fullness of who you ought to be. Uh, those are some resources. Um, also, there's multiple podcasts out there. In fact, uh, don't want to call up a couple of a minister's name, but there is a podcast I was just listening to uh, or just a conversation I was listening to uh, from uh, T.D. Jakes when he talks about uh, cutting people off. It's mm -hmm. on YouTube. You just uh, Google cutting people off. And he has this long dialogue with his family about how to become not only uh, have an IQ, an EQ, but have an AQ, an adaptability quotient, uh -huh. the ability to adapt to where people are. That some people are in your life for seasons, sometime lifetime, some uh, they're there to teach you a lesson, but I'm being able to adapt to where you are uh, so that you don't have to always cut people off is a great resource during this time because I know a lot of people are frustrated That's after right. being locked in a house for 16 months. Uh, with those who you normally see only two to three hours a day. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, as we come to the end of our time together, um, do you have a final thought that you'd like to share with the audience? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I try to live my life by uh, quotes and I want to just give a, a quick, quick quote to you uh, that might uh, be a blessing to you. And this is the one that comes uh, to my mind. The great quote uh, simply says, uh, strong people forgive, weak people revenge, intelligent people ignore. Oh, wow. Strong people forgive, weak people revenge, and intelligent people ignore. Yeah. That if you're the stronger person, you don't have to retaliate. That's you right. can forgive. That's right. You know, weak people always want to get back at somebody. And the intelligent understand that you don't have to respond to everything. You can ignore it. And that is a powerful, powerful word for us to end our time together with. Um, Pastor, Dr. Archon, Reverend, I appreciate you so much for spending time with us here today. And I wish God blessings on all your future endeavors. Thank you so much. And I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. This is going to bless many people, seen and unseen. So I appreciate your impact and what you're doing to transform the world. Thank you so much. All right now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us at The Corporate Minister. We appreciate your spending time with us, and we would love to hear from you. If you have show ideas, prayer concerns, or if you are blessed by what you heard today, please drop us a note at thecorporateminister at gmail.com. Again, that's thecorporateminister at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time.